there. So far, the championship has given us loads to talk about. We expect this weekend to be no different. In a week dominated by Galway's win over Mayo, Limerick's handling of Waterford and Clare's resurgence, we now look ahead to this weekend's action in the company of Shane Dowling and Keith Higgins. Former Carlo manager Turlow O'Brien gives his expert opinion on the Leinster Senior Football Championship. And former Tyrone Ladies Football star Gemma Begley looks at her county's clash with Derry. We'll have plenty more besides, and who knows what shocks could be on the cards this time around. Yeah, delighted to have you with us for another episode of the Championship. Before we chat to Turlow O'Brien, let's just look ahead to potentially one of the shocks of the weekend. Loud are in great form under Mickey Hart. They've just secured back-to-back league promotions. Could they pull a fast one against Kildare this weekend? What do you think, Thurlow? Could they do it against Kildare? It's As I look over the fixtures, it is one that stands out as a potential shock. I'm not sure if you'd agree with that. Well, I think it's certainly going to be a very entertaining game of football. I think uh, both sides play a very attractive brand of football. And while Loud are on the up, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Mickey Hart's impact has been fantastic for Loud football. Uh, I think Clare are also in a great place. Um, you know, with Glenn Ryan and his backroom team there. You know, I've started backroom team really like. Um, they have the bones of a really, really good side. And while they got relegated in Division 1, you know, they were very unlucky like. You could have, they could have beaten uh, Tyrone, they could have beaten Kerry. It would have been a different league from then completely. And I just think, I just think Clare football is in a very good place at the moment. I think they're a very strong squad. Great win last year from the under-20s. And while Loud have definitely made fantastic progress to promotions, I think Kildare are going to have too much for them. I don't see a shock. I think Kildare will win this one. OK, interesting. And Kildare had a, a good win uh, over Dublin in the under-20s, Turlow. And I suppose the more results like that you can see from a, a neutral's perspective in in a weak province for the last decade, let's be honest about it. It's It's been tough going, and you know that better than anybody after five and a half seasons with Carlo. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It's it's been it's been a difficult time for everybody in Leinster. You know, uh, don't be so far ahead. But I think it has changed. I think there will be a really good open championship this year, and uh, I would particularly fancy Kildare to go all the way. Um, well, I think they could they could take Dublin later on if they get overload here. Okay, interesting. Um, just go back to, to Saturday evening then, Turlough. We just we look ahead to the fixtures. Westmead and Longford, uh, at TEG Cusick Park at six o'clock. Uh, to that's me, going to be the that's game anybody's game. game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. These two are great local rivals. You know, it's, it's a local derby here. And while Longford beat them in the league in Mullingar, actually, um, they were relegated. Or sorry, they weren't relegated. They were narrowly avoided relegation. Um, while Westmead, you know, Westmead are they're a great battle side too. And uh, the two, two, two very good wins last year in the championship. And um, they're they're for me. For me, Westmead have more in the tank. They were, you know, they were, I think they won three games at division, uh, division uh, three this year. You know, and um, they're a team that have been consistently performing. I would say they're probably overperforming for a county of its size, really, for a long number of years. Uh, and I think there's a great pride in that jersey there in Westmead, and I, I, I do fancy them just to barely scrape this one. Uh, Longford have some fantastic footballers too and Nick Mickey Quinn and Andrew Farrell that uh, great servants for, for, for long for football but I think the home advantage maybe and um, I think Westmead's uh, recent uh, recent results um, for me would, would 
tip it their way, you know. Okay, um, Wexford had a fine win over Offaly last weekend. I think we, we touched on the potential of a surprise on last week's show, but uh, they're facing Dublin at home in Shadwick's Wexford Park at 6.30. Do you give them any hope whatsoever in this one? I don't really, to be honest with you. Um, great win for the last week, of course, over Offaly. Um, Offaly were very depleted with injuries. Um now, Wexford Park is a very, very difficult place to, to go and play football because if there's a wind at all down there, it's so hard to, to, to play against that wind. Um, but, look, Dublin, this Dublin is not gone yet. Um, you know, there's 14 or 15. They're massive experience. Plenty of all their medals in their, in their back pockets. And, you know, if there's any any learnings have, have been taken from the league, I think, I think the bit of a break they've had there now will have to refresh going into this. And... I'd fancy them to win this one comfortably enough, I'm quite honest with you. Um, I, just, I just couldn't see it. Um, Wexford, you know, were sixth in Division 4. I saw them play Carroll and uh, Drogge in the last game. Um, I, just don't, I just don't see it. Obviously, Dublin, uh, a bit of a conference crisis maybe, you know, with the, with the transition, but look, so much experience there and to get their game management right, I think they're going to be back as a force again in Leinster. They'll still be the team to beat. Okay, and you reckon then that Kildare will beat Loud and they'll potentially go all the way to So just to the last game then, Meath versus Wicklow. Um, Wicklow had an unbelievable result against Leash. Uh, Meath, I don't know what to make of Meath, to be honest with you. Um, Partalchen, two o'clock, you'd imagine Meath will get through, but what are your thoughts on it? Well, Wicklow had an unbelievable win against Leash. It's five fifteen score to get. Like, but having said that, Leash, like Carl, are in transition and have lost a lot of lost a lot of their players. And um, Wicklow, in fairness to them, had lost their manager mid mid league. Like, so it was a great result for them. You know, um, great great to get a win back in Auckland over Leash again. It's uh, uh, a great memory of that sort of have. Uh, but Meads, like you know, Mead again are it's three teams against really uh, that should be. Competing every year for the title, Kildare, Mead, and Dublin, and Mead are huge yeah, county, and you know they've they've really, I mean, I think they played they played last night week up there at Hamilton, and I'd expect it's going to be a big win again for Mead, but uh, I think they've they lacked tighter margin than the last time. Okay, um, just a couple of topical things then, Torlo. Like, listen to you chat about the Leinster Championship. It's been a while since there's been any sort of energy in anybody's voice talking about the province. Um, so just to touch on what we were talking about earlier, uh, are the dubs coming back a little bit? Have the other counties shown that the work they've done underage is finally paying testament? And can we look forward to a more even championship in the coming years? Or at this stage, would you be content just to let it see out for another few seasons and rip up the template and go open? draw or something like that well I think Dublin have definitely come back no question that like, they are a big transition and uh, that has given hope to the others but I think uh, and I've said this for a long years that the likes of Kildare and Meath have underperformed considerably for for the strength of club football in both those counties they should have been able to be much closer to Dublin in the last 10 years um, I think the true in town quite honest with you in, in many of those years so it's great to see them uh, back particularly Kildare I think, I think they're the club football is very, very strong yeah. and there's a huge pool of talent there, you know, and I think they have a great management team in place now. Um, I think there's a lot of momentum among the general public. Uh, they're very positive again and I really think they can push on, you know, they've had some great underage teams as well. Like So I think they're going to be a real threat, I think, for the next couple of years for, for Dublin and it's great to see that. Um, and Turlo, very quickly, Talchin yeah. Cup, do you, do, you, do you give it a chance? It's the 
depends on what way things are going to approach it. Um, it's a great opportunity for anybody. Now there's, there's going to be uh, it's knockout issue, of course. And look, it, it depends on on the mindset of the players involved. You know, are they going to commit to it or not commit to it? And if they commit to it, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I think you've got to go for it if you're in it. And you know, uh, a team that's had a poor league and going out the first round of championship, it's an opportunity just to you know to redeem themselves and. Get something in place for next year, you know, and go again. Like, but uh, I think it's there now. I think you've got to embrace it. Turlo O'Brien, former Carlo manager, thank you so much for your time. Delighted to welcome back our old friends Keith Higgins and Shane Dowling to the championship. You're very welcome along, guys. Thanks, Damien. Cheers, Damien. Uh, Keith, I just go to you to round up the disappointment of, of uh, you know, Mikhail Park last weekend. Um, or Hastings Insurance, Mikhail Park, as it's now called. What disappointed you most, Keith? Jeez, I don't know where to start, I suppose. Look, anytime you lose to Galway at home, it's a big disappointment. I think coming off the back of the big loss against Kerry in the league final, they'd have been looking kind of for a big reaction um, and just didn't seem to have it, didn't really seem to have that bit of a spark. Um, and look, I suppose the obvious thing to look at is, you know, you go, how's it, 20, 22, 23 yeah. minutes in the second half without scoring. You're not going to win any championship game like that. But at the same time, I think you kind of have to look at some of the matchups maybe, you know, you play likes of Galway, you have two or three players that you really have to kind of pin down to stop them kind of getting any momentum and probably didn't do that for large parts of the game, and which is, you know, what you really should be doing. You know, you need to be targeting certain individuals and I don't think that was there. So, look, it was really disappointment, or really disappointing. They have a few weeks now, I suppose, to try and regather and get some of them injuries cleared. But look, backdoor's not going to be easy this year given the potential teams they could face. So, um but look, I suppose one thing we've seen with Mayo over the last few years is that they can kind of bounce back from these things. But look, I think James would really have been targeting getting a Connacht title this year, especially the way the championship's kind of back to a bit of normality again. Yeah, I understand. Shane, it was a busy weekend of hurling. We've got another busy weekend coming up. Um, what stands out for you this weekend, Shane? Is it Cork Clare or is it Galway Kilkenny? I think they both stand out for, for, for obvious reasons, Damien. I think for all four counties involved, they're, they're massive games. I mean... You look at, you know, Cork and Clare, like if Cork were to get another last the weekend, I would say that they're all but out of the Muscle Championship. Uh, and, you know, it's a huge game as well between Kilkenny and Galway. Uh, obviously for the off-field activities as well with Henry taking on Brian Cody, I think that's something that none of us would have expected, certainly at the start of the year. Uh, I know when the news broke initially, I was shocked anyway, as were, were many people in the GA world. So it's two great games to look forward to. Uh, I think in Munster, you know, the, the Cork v Clare is, it's very interesting because how good were Clare or how bad were Tipperary? Uh, and then how bad were Cork or how good were Limerick, um, you know, in, in the Limerick and, and Cork game early, early on as well. So um, I think it's a huge game for, for, for Cork. I think it's uh, it's... You know, if they don't come out and, and and bring a reaction or show a reaction even on Sunday, I would question where this Cork team and management are, what where they're going to go going forward. So I think Cork have a lot more to lose on on Sunday than Clare have. Um, and if they go in with that attitude, they could show a bit of nervousness or whatever else. But I think if I'm the Cork camp, Damien, I said it before the Limerick game as well. I mean, if they don't come with all guns blazing and absolutely ready for a huge battle, it'll be very, very disappointing. Uh, and obviously in Leinster then, um, you know, Kilkenny had two easy games to start off with. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Uh, they were able to get players on the field, give them game time, get the confidence up and get them ready for... for um, the game the weekend Galway 
I think they were disappointed against Wexford. There's no other way of, of talking about it. And Wexford didn't exactly hold up the form against Dublin against Dublin last weekend either. So uh, there's question marks over Galway this weekend. But I think it's only after this weekend will we know where Galway stand. And Keith, Shane just mentioned uh, Corks need to bounce back hard at the weekend against Clare and the disappointment they showed the last time out. Just from your own experience as a footballer with Mayo, uh, you've had to come back many, many times. What are the fundamentals in your own preparation as, as you look to regroup for a game like this? Now, Mayo footballers have six weeks. Corks, Cork have had two. How would you go about it if you were in their shoes? I think, well, first of all, I think two weeks is probably an ideal time. You know, you have the first few days to just to kind of get over that disappointment. But then, literally, you're kind of straight back into focus on the next game in 10 or 12 days' time, and you don't have too long to kind of dwell on it. But I suppose the big thing from them is, look, from a player's point of view, you're going to be kind of looking at it from the, you know, the world is against you, all the bad press you got after that game, all the criticism over the tactics, but I suppose the big thing would be on the management whether they stick or twist with the way they the way they want to play or the type of game they want to play. Um, from a player's point of view, it's just right. It's kind of batting down the hatches here. Um, you need to get that bit of siege mentality and just go for it. But I suppose look, it will it will be interesting to see whether they do stick with the same type of tactics, same type of game plan, or whether they try and change it up. Um, but I think from a manager's point of view, if they're trying to build kind of continuity. They're not going to change it up drastically. They kind of have to stick with the plan and kind of have to show faith in what they've been doing all year. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Shane, just read this or this morning or last night. Uh, it's no surprise Keen Lynch is going to miss the rest of the Munster Championship. Um, I think the, co- the team coped admirably without it the last time around. My question to you is, do other teams this weekend need to put down some sort of a statement? Because to me, it looks like Limerick are well ahead and Wadford are next and then there's a gap between the rest. I don't think any team needs to put down a statement uh, in terms of Limerick or putting themselves in for all Ireland contenders. I think mm. the only thing that four teams need to do the weekend, Damien, is get a win to ensure they're still in the championship. And, you know, you talk about, you know, Keith has spoken about it, as has nearly every other person that gives their opinion on the game in relation to Cork sticking or twisting. Um, I think for this weekend, for Cork I think they sh- there's no need to do drastic moves because they're actually a really really good side and had a really good league campaign on what they were doing whatever they do when it comes to Limerick doesn't work but it has worked against other teams so they beat Clare last year and I know Cork- Clare could have got a last minute goal or whatever but for this weekend for Cork I would say they don't need to make a statement to anybody outside of anybody outside of the group that's there the 50 people that they have in the group they need to nearly make a statement to themselves only and, and, and say to each other that, OK, we're not as bad as maybe we've shown and that we can now progress in the championship. For Clare, you know, they know that if they get beaten by uh, Cork in the weekend, that they still have Waterford, they still have Limerick to play, so they leave themselves with a mount of decline. So in relation to contenders or anything like that, statements or having John Kyle or Liam Cahill quivering in their boots, mm. no, but they need to ensure themselves that they leave themselves in the championship come four o'clock on Sunday. Look, Shane, both Leash and Westmeath are at home at the weekend. So Leash take on Wexford and Westmeath take on Dublin. Is there any chance of an upset in either of those games in your opinion? I hate saying it, I hate saying it, Damien, but no, there isn't. Like, and it's just... Uh, like Leash were really poor in the league. They they gathered themselves up to have one big crack at Antrim and beat them. And then they always play well against Dublin, but were annihilated again the weekend. 
no, there's no chance of an upset. There's no point in saying otherwise. Yeah. I think for them it's a case of try be competitive, try get good experience and build going forward. But And it's not saying it disrespectfully, but there is no chance of an upset. Keith, Keith I've been riding for the last 10, 15 years and people will say I've been riding way too long. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of the articles are about the help that hurling counties need when they get to a certain level. And I include... Kildare, I include Carlo, Westmeath, Meath, your own county, uh, but a lot of it just gets unnoticed or mm-hmm. life moves on and you're still hearing the same arguments all these years later. Just to listen to Shane talk there, and he's right and he's genuine in what he's taught, um, the struggles that these counties face. What is it like, Keith, from, from a, you're from a hurling background as well as a football, um, when a county tries to make progress, gets to a certain level, uh, and then the gap between, say, Joe McDonough even and Division 1B is enormous, certainly the, the top flight. Uh, this is never going to be a short-term fix, but if you are to even get one county to come through and challenge at Lee McCarthy level consistently, uh, what needs to happen, Keith, in your opinion? Um, uh, look, you, you kind of hit the nail in the head there where it's, like, it's not a short-term fix like this thing. And like I've kind of been thinking an awful lot of what needs to happen in the likes of Mayo now for us to kind of develop. And it's not a case of we can look to win a Christie ring this year and progress to Joe McDonough next year and stay up there. Like This has to be a 10, 15, 20 year kind of plan, you know? There, there's no short fix and for that to happen, it's it has to go back to how you fund and how you progress the grassroots of it. Like I see in Mayo here in our own club, like it's really a struggle for numbers yeah. to get young kids out hurling because they're competing with Gaelic football, they're competing with soccer, they're competing at rugby and hurling is a f- nearly a third or a fourth choice sport. You know, whereas the funding needs to be put into getting coaches into schools where you have access to these kids five days a week, and you're getting them hurling on a consistent basis. So, like a lot of the problems is in counties like ours is that there's no tradition there. Parents have no tradition of hurling. You know, they're nearly afraid to go out and kind of let their kids into it. They're, they won't go out themselves and try help out coaching because they just don't know enough about the game. Yeah. So you have to kind of go to where you have the kids all the time, and you need to get into the schools and. Okay. not just pay lip surface to it, put funding behind it for the next 10 years because yeah. it's not going to be a case of where you can put money into it county for one year, expect them to win a Joe McDonough and then compete. Like so We've seen this the last, I don't know how many years, teams kind of yo-yoing up and down between Joe McDonough and uh, Lee McCarthy, Christy Ring, Joe McDonough, and yeah. it's the same thing over and over, you know? So it's, hard it's a long-term yeah. thing and it's just, it has to come down to funding and just thinking 20 years down the line. Okay, and what is a short-term thing then, Keith? Just the last question to you very, very quickly. Sligo versus, Sligo versus Roscommon, Markovich Park, uh, Sligo going great at under 20 level. How do you see them going against the Rossies? Look, like Shane mentioned there about the hurling, without being disrespectful, you, you can't see Anthem Bull coming to the Roscommon win here. I mean, yeah, Sligo have had a good bounce with the, within that under 20 kind of title. Obviously, they had a few difficult weeks before that with everything that happened there with Red Oak. Um, yeah. You know they've they've probably had a, a mixed league, um, struggling a small bit at times. But look, Roscommon completely come in under the radar. Like everyone was talking about Galway during the league, mm-hmm. everyone was talking about kind of this Mayo Galway game. There's nothing been said about Roscommon after winning Division Two. You know they'll win this one comfortably and they'll be up going all guns blazing then for a kind of final against Galway. So yeah, you can't see anything but a handy Roscommon win there. Keith Higgins, Shane Dowling, thanks so much for your time again, lads. Thanks very much. Cheers, Evan. Now delighted to speak to the lads as always and delighted too to welcome three-time All-Star uh, Gemma Begley from Tyrone to the show. A 15-year career, Gemma, and you're not gone out of it too long. Do you miss it? 
Um, not at all, Damien, but you're making me feel older. <laughs> <laughs> not as old as I am, Jemmy, you're grand. I'm playing away with the club and enjoying that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you're you're working with the GPA too as a Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager. A uh, very important position too, Gemma. We'll chat about that in a second. Um, but there is a big game going on at the weekend. Your home county are, are taking on Derry, Gemma. And, um, you know, during the league, people wondered where Tyrone were at. Uh, but I think they've shown in the last game or two where, where they are at. But they're playing against a side that are really well-drilled, really well-organised and hard to break down. In your own experience playing, Gemma, what is it like to take on a team like that? I, I presume patience is at the, the foremost of your list of requirements. Uh, that's it, really. It's just about organisation and discipline and um, I suppose concentration such a big thing as well. Obviously, the team uh, that's stepped up and they're so well organised, they're just trying to, to be patient and force mistakes from the opposition and, and get the, the pressure around anybody that's sort of um, hesitant or sluggish in their decision-making. So um, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting battle, I suppose. Um, you know, teams are sort of well-drilled at it at this stage. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the, the, the two teams sort of pair up, up against each other. Like, I know even the last day out, Tyrone probably frustrated enough in the first half against Fermanagh. Um, but mm. they sort of opened up then in the second half. So I'd probably expect something similar, something cagey enough. And, and really, it will just... Uh, It'll come down to the final quarter, I think. Yeah. Uh, Tyrone have lost a few players over the last few weeks and months, Gemma. And look, at, I suppose if you're not getting enough game time or regular game time, that's to be expected. But in general, what has impressed you about the, the team since Logan and Dewar took over and put their stamp on it? Uh, well, you just, geez, they're just a, such a great freshness, I suppose, and, and real um, hunger and, and like openness and positivity about them last year. You're going to hear it even, I suppose, in, in the lads talking about sort of being a wee bit more adventurous, I suppose. And maybe it was just the, the luck of the timing and things coming together. Um, even just, I suppose, Cahill McShane back to fitness and, and Conor McKenna in there and, and the young boys, I suppose, coming of age, the likes of Kieran McGeary and Conor Myler. Um, it, was, it was just a great year of momentum um, for them. I think midfield has been a big factor too, having a settled midfield pairing. Probably, it probably wasn't the strength for Tyrone for a few years um, with uh, Conor Kilpatrick and Brian Kennedy there. So hopefully keep them fit, I suppose, and, and obviously a good understanding with Niall Morgan. Um, and just I, I suppose, it's, it's just maybe that they had a good mix of experience and then that bit of youth coming through and it just it blended together well. Like Hopefully there's a, there's a good bit more to come from them. Um, through the, as a build a bit of momentum through the championship. And Gemma, in your day job, uh, big research out this week, uh, I suppose, uh, indicating a welcoming environment for LGBTQ plus players among intercounty squads. It's, it's new research. Um, 45% of intercounty players are already aware of an LGBTQ plus team within their squad. Uh, 99% of players would be supportive of such a teammate if they came out. And that's good news. And it's uh, it's probably vital research. Would you explain maybe your thought process behind it? Yeah, um, I was delighted I suppose, to, to be able to share this. Um, it really came from, we have an LGBT plus working group within the players. Um, and the, the first, I suppose, couple of meetings we had with them, were, they were sort of really saying, look, not really our problem if you like it's there's such a big community of allies of people who don't identify as lgbtq plus that we really want them to sort of take this on um and highlight i suppose that, that the support is there that the welcoming environment is there that just anyone that is identifying just to make them feel comfortable in that environment and um that has to be know, the key really going forward Gemma, doesn't it pardon that has to be the key going forward 
that's it, yeah. So that, that was really the key message. I suppose you covered the key. There's kind of three main findings from it that 99% of players said they would support an LGBTQ plus teammates coming out, um, which is, I don't know, maybe surprising to some people, but I suppose mm. it's just reinforced that message. Um, I suppose that the other thing is there is already um, players who are out within their squad, both male and female, um, which might be a surprise to, to people outside. There's maybe no males out uh, publicly in the media as such, but that's not... It's not really the important bit, I suppose, as long as they're welcomed and supported and, you know, that they feel Gemma, absolutely would it, would a part of the environment. Gemma, would it break down barriers if they were out publicly? It, it probably it will happen. I expect it to happen at some stage. We don't want to put anyone under pressure, certainly, yeah. in any way, shape or form. But I, I totally expect just with, I suppose, the, the change in um, acceptance, even the younger generation, you know, studies show that there's, there's an increase in number proportion of the general society that are that are you know happy to be out and identifying so i expect it will happen at some stage but again this is just making the environment right for for whoever wants to do so yeah. that they're they're fully welcome and and supported and you know that it's really important um diversity and being able to bring players authentically into the squad and, and they're happy and it's their holistic well-being you know just it's such a positive environment for any team to be able to to accept diversity and include, I suppose, everyone, regardless of their background or their demographics. And um, we really just wanted to underline and reinforce that message. Um, and just sorry, the, the final thing and then was, I suppose, there's a perception that, that players who come out would face discrimination. Um, the players re- reported that about 50% of them thought players would face discrimination. But once you, you, you ask players who have already got an LGBT plus teammate who's out amongst their squad, that expectation they face discrimination drops way down. So 82% of players said they, they wouldn't expect the player would face any discrimination. So I suppose what we took from that is that the, 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 the lived reality is probably a lot more positive and um, encouraging than, than people actually expect. So it's a positive experience to be able to be out amongst your teammates. Yeah, I, um, Gemma, I agree with that. It's perception versus reality. And I think your research yeah. this weekend is massive. Um, and I think it will yeah. really, really be another step along that journey. Uh, so it's, 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 well, right. it's, it's well received and congratulations on it. Yeah, that's it. And just to just underline as well, I suppose the GA and the LGFA and Kobe are doing an awful lot of, of positive stuff, I suppose, that, that really trying to, to make communities, um, or to make clubs inclusive within their communities. Okay. Um, so we'll hope to see a lot more activation and, and sort of visibility and, and you'll see a lot more coverage of that throughout the summer yeah. and beyond. We'll talk to you later about that, Gemma. Again, yeah. it's a fascinating subject. Gemma Begley, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Manager with the GPA and don't forget three-time All-Star with their own as well. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Damien. All the best. OK, that's it for this week, folks. From myself, Damien Lawler, producer Damien O'Mara, sound engineer Sheila Neville. Thanks a million for listening. We'll talk to you again next weekend.